HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Shirk, and guys, I'm coming off of one of the craziest turkey hunting seasons, I think, ever. Um, I don't think I've ever been able to have the, the opportunities that I had um, in as, as short a time as I had. So, you know, letting the cat out of the bag, if you guys follow me on Instagram, you probably saw, but um, you know, I talked last week's show, you know, was, uh, was my opening week kill up in Potter County. And I followed that up on Friday, the first week and filled my second tag. So I'm tagged out in Pennsylvania. I'm all done. Uh, so it was a cool hunt. I, uh, I went to, uh, went to this property that I have permission to hunt and, uh, it's a, it's a family property. And, uh, I was, I was chatting with, uh, with the family member that, uh, has this property and, we're just kind of chatting before daylight and he wasn't going to go hunting. We were just catching up. I hadn't seen him in a while. And, uh, at one point he finally says, you ought to get going. Like it's, it's light out. And I'm like, Oh yeah, it is. It was probably, I don't know, like quarter of six at that point. Um, so I, I decided, well, I'll just walk up this, this one road. It kind of leads up to this, uh, this intersection where you can go right or left and it takes you to, uh, to a food plot. So I get to this intersection, make a couple calls, don't hear anything, not really sure what I want to do, don't really have my hopes up, and I am kind of don't really care because I'm, I'm still coming off of the, the first one, right? You know, still coming off that excitement of uh, that, that first bird that I got. And I decided I was going to go to the left and go to this, this one food plot out there. So I'm, I'm halfway there, and I hear turkeys gobble on their own, and I was pretty sure by the gobbles and the amount of gobbles I had a feeling it was jakes I knew that there were some jakes in the area and you you know like sometimes you you can be sh- fairly sure I was pretty sure it was it was jakes gobbling but I made my mind up I was going to try to kill one my second bird I wanted to kill with the bow or I wanted to kill with my 20 gauge and I I was deciding which weapon to take based on where I was hunting. If it was a place that was conducive to hunt with a bow, I decided that I would. So I had the bow at this place and uh, I was kind of like a little bit like disgusted with myself. Like, Oh, you should have been here sooner because uh, there's a, there's a blind there and it, you know, I would have been in the blind. They would have been there. You know, I've been waiting for them when they got there, but uh too little, too late. The uh, birds were already there. So I'm like, crud, what the heck am I going to do? So I had a Jake decoy in my bag and I set up on the road that leads into this food plot and tried to call the birds to me. And I just kind of hunkered in a rose bush and I was thinking maybe if they see the Jake decoy, maybe they'd fixate on that and uh, I, I could uh, you know, get drawn back without a blind. 
So I called to the birds, and they gobbled. Of course, they're jakes. They gobble at anything. They gobbled their full heads off, and they did get closer, but for whatever reason, uh, they just hung up at that one spot in the field. They couldn't see what was calling to them, and they just stayed out there being jakes doing their thing. And I uh, finally, you know, they, they started gobbling farther away from me, and I decided, well, I can make a move a little bit closer. It's risky, but I'm going to try it. So there's a path that leads into this field, and it's pretty well screened. And I thought if I get to that field, I might be able to get to the edge of it without being seen. Uh, there's a there's a couple of small openings. I thought I might be able to call birds into that opening and get a shot off. So that's what I did. I snuck in this trail, and uh, I got it was about oh five ten yards from this wall of brush, and I had a I had two small openings uh, where I could see into the field. I made a few calls, and of course they gobbled their full heads off, and I start seeing heads bobbing past, and they were somewhere at that point, they were somewhere between, I'm going to say, 30 and 40 yards, a little too far, and I couldn't move there, I would have been pinned, so I just kept calling and, and trying to wait them out, and they were going back and forth, and finally I had some that got a little bit closer, and I knew where they were standing in the field, I, I was guessing, I thought they've got to be between 25 and 30 yards, and I, I thought, they, they were starting to get nervous, I thought, it's probably now or never if I'm going to shoot one of these, and I have no problem shooting a Jake, especially with the bow, I you know, I said last week, I never killed one with the bow in PA in the spring, and uh, I was, I made my mind up, I was excited, I was jacked, I was absolutely going to try to shoot one, so uh, one went behind a tree, I drew my bow back ever as slowly as possible, and I kind of like held my bow low I was standing up against a tree and some brush and I drew my bow as low as I could because that was where the brush was you know below my waistline and then I lifted my bow into frame and I think when I lifted my bow in the frame one of them saw me I think it putted but they just took too long to uh, to make their mind up and the, the bird that I was fixated on was facing away from me and I thought if he's between 25 and 30 yards which I was pretty confident of. I didn't range it. I didn't have I didn't have the ability to move that much. I was afraid they were going to see me. I was pretty confident where he was standing. That's where he was. So I uh, I thought if I put my 30 yard pin on his vitals and I hit high, I'm going to hit him in his spine or his neck and I'm going to kill him. And if I miss left or right, I'm just going to miss. But I was pretty confident that if I would if I would just gap my pins in that orientation. Uh, I would be fine, and I have pretty close pin gap with the the setup that I had, so I was I was sure I wasn't going to drop too much. So I settled in, let it fly, and I heard the thud, and I saw a turkey hunched up, and you know all the other birds scattered, and they're carrying on, and they're they're kind of running and flying, and I was nervous that I didn't put a good shot on the bird. I had no idea where the arrow hit. I just heard it was all, and you know it started. I, I walked out to the edge and it started running down through and it was trying to take off and it ran hard and I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Tell me I wounded this turkey. So I ran across the field and I got to where I last saw it go out of the, this this plot and uh, nothing. I'm looking around I'm like there's no sign of this turkey at all. I'm like what in the world? Maybe it's under a bush. Did it? Is it trying to hide from me? Is this, is this going to be a rodeo trying to get this? I mean, I know that can happen with with bow hunting as part of it, but 
I, I'm looking, you know, far to close, and I'm scanning. I'm scanning. All of a sudden, I look down in front of me about five yards, and I went, holy cow, that is a lot of blood. And I, I'm not exaggerating that there was more blood on this turkey trail than some of the deer I've killed over the years. I'm like, how is thinking, how is a turkey going to survive through that? So I just started following the blood trail in another 10 yards, and I looked down, and there's the turkey laying there dead. I couldn't believe how far it went. It probably ran, oh, goodness, it probably ran 40 yards, and I hit it perfect. I hit it right through the center of the vitals, yeah, back to front. Um, you know, the arrow came out right above when I when I took the turkey breasts out, it, right above that bone where you, uh, the point of the bone is where you would fillet the breasts off. So, I mean, my shot was perfect, and, you know, it worked out the way I had hoped it worked out. I just couldn't believe how far it went. So, yeah, it was kind of bittersweet because I remember so many seasons of never killing one with the bow, having goof-ups, hunting all season long, giving up partway through the season, just saying, ah, stupid turkeys. And uh, now this year, I literally hunted three days, and I killed two birds, and I'm done. And I got all these big aspirations after that. I'm like, wow, it's it's still early. Maybe I can buy an out-of-state license. Maybe I can go to New York or, or, or something like that. And uh, reality quickly set in between work and family. My wife had some stuff coming up the next few weekends. Um, I should say my wife has stuff coming up. My anniversary is actually May 20th, which falls on a Saturday this year. And before I get a whole bunch of flack saying, why would you get married in turkey season? Bear with me. I got married in spring because my wife first said she wanted to get married in the fall. And I said, well, there was no way that that was happening. And then she said, well, then I want a spring wedding. And I almost said, I, uh, this is no lie, I almost said, and I bet my tongue, but that's turkey season, <laughs> and I bit my tongue. I was like, no, I would rather sacrifice spring turkey than fall deer hunting. So then I agreed to a, a, a wedding in May 20th, so I can live with that. But anyway, that basically those two weekends, and then you're up to Memorial Day weekend, and we're out of turkey season. It's hard to believe how quick it goes. Um, hopefully I'll get out, take some people out. I have some friends and family and stuff that we're, we're going to go here and there. Hopefully I can catch up with them and, and just enjoy being out a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I'm still I'm still kind of got the turkey itch, but I'm sure that'll quickly fade as I'm uh, getting into the next phase of uh, phase of life here, May into June. But kicking on, it's staying with the uh, the turkey theme, we have a repeat offender on as our guest this week. Uh, he was on last year talking turkeys with us. He's a turkey hunting fanatic. Uh, we're speaking with Matt Dale from Dale Outdoors. And uh, I kind of reached out to Matt after my first kill because Matt was the first video I saw earlier this year talking about the wine. You know, you, if you listen to last week's episode with the bird I killed, you, you heard me say that I used this call for the first time and this, this turkey came in very quickly and kind of really surprised me the reaction I got and surprised that I'd never heard this, this, this call before. And I texted Matt. I said, you know, I said, you know, th that got this bird. And uh, he said, well, hey, that's great. He goes, we should do a podcast and talk about it. I'm like, absolutely. So uh, we, we talk about kind of the, the letting the cat out of the bag on a couple of secret weapons that people don't talk about. And really what this, this conversation entails, we're talking about calling turkeys 
in ways that nobody else is talking about calling turkeys. I feel like every spring is who has the best yelp, who can make the most loudest vocal cackles and cuts and you know get birds to fire up because that's what we're all excited about, right? The fact of the matter is, in my turkey hunting experience, granted, I'm not the best turkey hunter in the world, nor do I have the experience that many of you people might have, but I have rarely had experiences of birds coming in like that to really, really aggressive calls. Does it happen? Yes. Has it happened to me? Yes. But more times than not, there's a turkey communication going on, and there's understanding and utilizing turkey sounds as communication. And I think there's a lot that get, A, overlooked in spring, B, don't even know about, like this this turkey wine I'd never heard about. And he talks about a couple other feeding under your breath type calls that he utilizes and explains in context. Talk about another interesting uh, interesting call, and that's using a gobbler yelp in the context of that. We talk about how to use the calls that we're used to using, cuts, cackles, clucks, yelps, using them outside of Joe Blow's way of just yelping on a box call and uh, making that same cadence and how to mix things up and sound like a turkey and speak turkey. And this is a great conversation. I mean, this is one when I when I was done with, with this conversation with Matt, I mean, I was fired up. I was ready to go turkey hunting. And uh, I, I think it will, you too. Hopefully there's something you guys can take away from this as we go into the second half of turkey season. I know the second half can be challenging. It can be aggravating. But he gives us a lot of hope because he talks about how much he loves hunting the late season and, and how he goes about it and being patient. So talk about an all-around really, really good turkey hunting podcast. I think you guys are going to enjoy it, and I don't want to waste any more time. We, we told my turkey hunting story. We gave you the, the show notes here real quick before we go into this week's episode. We've got to give a shout-out to our partners. And first and foremost, we want to give a shout-out to Radix Hunting. Guys, if you're looking for trail cameras that just are great, are just great image quality, simple to use, and they're not going to break the bank by any means. You need to check out Radix Trail Cameras. Their Gen Series conventional cameras, uh, to me, have image quality that is hard to beat when you talk about everything else in the industry. Uh, their M Core Cell cameras, also really affordable, guys. Really something that you can utilize a couple of and not be ashamed when you look at your bank account when you're done so check out radix hunting and also want to give our shout out to huntworth guys this is the hunting clothing company that supports our show and i have to say uh first impressions in the turkey woods i was pretty happy uh the first day i used the elkin pat uh elkins clothing which is kind of their midway clothing i was a dummy and i didn't uh didn't have any rain clothing with me i had a rain suit it was just a gray rain suit so i put that on underneath and put my camo over top and i was relatively dry from the outside in with that setup and it actually wicked away a lot of moisture but I was mostly wet from the inside out from sweating because I walked like eight miles. So midway through my hunt, I switched and then I put on uh, my my lighter weight. Actually, I reversed that. I had my lighter weight on the first one and then I put the Elkins pattern on later, the Elkins clothing, but it was all in that disruption pattern. And what I was really happy about was I just kind of went minimalistic. I put a couple calls in my pocket and a couple shotgun shells and went on my way. And it was kind of windy and chilly. 
and I felt very, very comfortable. And then both hunts that I had this year, I was you know fully equipped in the disruption pattern. It hid me well. I really like the pattern. The clothing is comfortable. Um, I, I'm saying this all because I, I, I truly think it's valuable in hunting. Like I used to be somebody who would just have clothing just to have clothing. People, you know, it'd be a mixed match hodgepodge of everything. And the, the thing that I've learned having a system like Huntworth is how comfortable I am. From the base layers out to the to the outer clothing, whether it was the, uh, the the lightweight pants that I had, or if I had the Elkin suit on, I was really comfortable. So I went a little bit on a tangent there, but I was giving you my firsthand experience with that stuff. I think it's worthwhile. You can get um, a, a setup of clothing and not have to break the bank and have a million different pieces. It's very versatile. So I'm done with my tangent. I'm done with our ads. Let's keep talking turkey. Let's go to this turkey hunting episode. Good luck to you guys the rest of this week. Let's get to it. Hey, with us tonight, I've got a, a repeat offender. We're back with Matt Dale from Dale Outdoors. Matt, thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, I really enjoyed talking turkey with you. So you're the man for the job. How you been? Been doing fine, man. Been doing pretty good. Been just out chasing these old turkeys for about uh, since since about the last of March. But uh, you know, we're getting we're winding down to the finish line is inside. I mean, I've got three more weeks to go. But but uh, you know, we turned the calendar over from April to May. But this is my favorite time, turkey hunt. Right, right now the late season is my favorite time. And it's so funny because you say you're you're kind of winding down in Pennsylvania here. We just opened up, you know, April 29th, and then we go the entire month of May. Before we got on here, we're talking. You you said that you killed one this morning. I know last year when we spoke with you, we kind of talked in you know, what would have been the early part. It was before our season opened. I know you'd been hunting. I remember last year you said it was the, the beginning half of the season was a little bit rougher for you this year. But you said you just killed one this morning. How's your season been so far? It's been great. Uh, it's, you know, last year, 2022 was really quiet everywhere across the country. I mean, I, I, I was, I mean, I, I wound up killing a few turkeys, uh, since we talked, but, uh, I mean, you know, I usually do, but I mean, it was a struggle, but this year it's been kind of back to normal. I mean, I've, I've hammered them just about everywhere I've been, but, um, it's, it's, well, it, it got, it got rough there the last couple of weeks, but we hit that, we hit that, what I call phase three, where they're just locked down, end up. It just went dead quiet just about everywhere. They gobble on the roost and then hit the yep. ground as rope. But then, but the last three or four days are starting to pick up. Which, which, like I said, when you turn that calendar over from April to May, man, it starts getting good again. Yeah, it sure seems to be the case. I mean, I've run into many cases like where you'll be hearing birds, <clears throat> and like I said, I'm, I'm talking Pennsylvania here, like you'll be hearing birds before the season leading into the youth hunt. You think, man, it's going to be great. And usually opening week can be hit or miss. I mean, I've been in cases where we, you know, we had birds doing what you want turkeys to do, and the next time it's exactly what you just said. It's that first week of May. They're hand up. They're not talking. You you know, guys be talking, oh, it's 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 over. We hunt them too late. Wine, wine and carrying on, and, you know, that's – I, I, you and I both know it's not the case. It's just you gotta you gotta put your time in and and everything else. No, I just I just talked to a guy. I mean, I don't know, but I mean, I know just about all the local turkey hunters around here. About I, I live in a small town, and uh, I saw a guy Saturday. Yeah, Saturday this past Saturday, I uh, saw a guy came. I was coming back in from turkey hunting, and I was pumping gas at the gas station up here, and, 
And, uh, you know, he was in KMO. So I was like, Hey, how you doing? Oh, and you know, kill one. And he said, uh, Oh, he said, I tell you, I think, he said, I think it's over. He said, I think they're back in their fall pattern. He said, I think they started breeding in February. And he said, I think it's, it's, it's just over. And I thought, and I, I didn't want to laugh and be disrespectful, but I wanted to laugh and say, man, you know, this guy don't know what he's talking about. We're, we're just getting ready to go into the next three weeks, especially here in Virginia, you know, where I live. But, uh, you know, the, the last two weeks is always good, but I'm never here. I'm always up north somewhere. But, but uh, the, you know, everywhere I go in May, especially from about the 8th of May to about the 30th of May, they just die left and right for me, you know. Mm. What, what I think has been really interesting for me, so like I said, I'm, I'm definitely a deer hunter first, and I've always dabbled in turkey hunting. And for whatever reason this year for me, I don't know, you know, call it networking and talking, talking turkey with people on our network or just hunters in general. You know, things, when you talk hunting, you know, it just, it just fires you up a little bit more. And, you know, with my job as an agronomist the past few years, I just always think I like turkey hunting, but I got too much going on. I, I just have that mindset or try to have that mindset that it's, it's, it's just a bird. It's just a turkey. It's not that big of a deal. But in all reality, I love turkey hunting. It's something I, I've always enjoyed doing. And I just decided this year I wanted to invest a little bit more time and do a little bit better. And uh, with talking with people, you know, YouTube channels, you know, th- that's how we connected in the in the first shot was I reached out to you from your YouTube channel. I've been, I've been just paying attention. I don't think I'm a spring chicken when it comes to talking turkey and understand, but I'm always willing to learn. I always want to listen to what other people have to say and, and, and learn new things. And, um, I, uh, I killed a bird opening morning. I just, I just had the, uh, the story on the, sh- on the, the show on last week's episode. And, uh, I think one of the things that really helped me kill that turkey or bring him in the way he did was was from learning a call that I, I first I've heard it on other shows I've heard it I've, I've heard it on you know television hunting shows but I've I've never heard somebody use it and then explain what it is and and how it's used a lot of, and and that's the that's the the videos you just did on on the wine um, mm-hmm. You know, I've heard people um, on shows where, you know, they'll call turkeys in and they'll come up and maybe they got a, a gobbler decoy out and that thing just attacks that gobbler decoy. And, you know, I might hear, hear them doing whines under their breath and the turkeys go nuts, but they're right in front of them and they never say why they're doing that, how they're doing that. And then they shoot the turkey and it's just kind of entertainment. You're, I'm not really learning. And and you did two videos here recently. On One was a short and one was a, a, a tutorial. And I, I listening to that, I was like, it just adds a new level of realism, but I still didn't know what it was. So I, I kind of want to go back and like, Matt, when did you first hear about this call? Have you heard it in the woods? How the heck have you used it? Like, where's this been all my life? <laughs> well, oh, that's funny you mentioned that. Cause I get that, you know, the two calls that I get asked more about every year, uh, and they think it's some new revelation is Galbraith open and the wine. And, uh, and them two calls are not something new. They've been doing them for thousands of years, turkeys. And uh, I learned it 25 years ago. I've been turkey hunting 30 years this year. So 25 years ago, I've been turkey hunting about five years. And I was just getting to where I was a decent little turkey hunter, a young guy, just, you know, my early 20s, just trying to learn, you know, what I was doing wrong and all that. And I was having a problem getting turkeys unhung they, they i could get them into about 60 70 yards 80 yards just out of gun range and uh, my, my buddy alex rutledge from verse tree missouri uh told me about that he said uh, hey try this and he's a master you know caller and turkey hunter 
And uh, man, he showed me the wine 25 years ago. I was just in my just a, you know young twenties, and uh, man, I just started doing it one day, and it absolutely turned them turkeys inside out. And I can't tell you the the times that I have had gobblers 70, 60 yards just out of gun range, or maybe hung up in some brush, or maybe hung up on the private property you can't, or, you know, something you can't hunt and you can't shoot over across the fence or something. And you start whining to them. That doesn't work all the time. No, nothing works all the time. Anybody that tells you anything's going to work all the time is lying. Nothing. I've seen some gobblers where you whine to them, like the one this morning. He just, he just turns around and goes the other way, you know, won't even pay no attention to it. Hmm. But I would say on a scale from as far as estimate, I would say 60% of the time you can whine to a gobbler. And it just absolutely, you know, like you said, it just turns them inside out, man. And, and, and what happened to you open today is usually what happens in a lot of cases. <laughs> yeah, I've, like I said, I've, I've heard turkeys do some cool things. I've been, I've had some really cool turkey hunting experiences from getting under them in the roost or at, at fly down or flying up to roost, you know, when you're deer hunting and, you know, I've, I've, I've seen some fights. Uh, I've never seen one breed, but you know, I've, I've been fortunate that I've heard a lot of really cool turkey sounds, but what I haven't done a really good job of doing is then taking those sounds and trying to apply some of those sounds in my hunting game or practice them or know what's the appropriate time to use them. And, you know, there's, there's folks like yourself out there that do a really good job of breaking that down and, and really just instead of making turkey sounds that so many hunters do, I think a lot of people, and I would include myself in this group, a lot of people make turkey sounds to make them gobble. And if you find one that's in the right mood, you can call <laughs> them in with turkey sounds. But actually communicating and understanding, I felt like the bird I was talking to, like I, I had something in my mind of what was happening. And this was a, an 11 o'clock gobbler. I thought he was alone and I, I cut hard to him and he, he gobbled and he was, he was excited and I, I used the wine the way you kind of described like hey I'm a hen I'm, I'm, I'm looking for love and I mean he wasn't running but he was you, you know how they get in a mood where they've got something like, on their mind and they're just walking fast I mean he barely took the time to come in to, you know go into strut and come out and he was back to walking and he, he walked right into my lap and it was it was one of those it was the first time I ever did it Matt and it was like is it just that easy like like what just happened <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I've had it happen so many times before. I mean, it just, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I mean, I've had gobblers absolutely hung up out there, you know, and they wouldn't even budge and you start whining to them. And, you know, a lot of people will tell you that it's, uh, you know, there's two thoughts of, of, uh, uh on it. Uh, some guys will tell you it's when a, when a hen is mad and she's upset. I don't really believe that because I can't see gobblers, getting that turned on by, by something that makes a hen mad. You know, I, uh, the second train of thoughts kind of one I go with, I think it's something that a hen does when she's ready to breed, like when she's ready to squat for that gobbler, you know, like right when she's ready to, to say, Hey, you know, uh, come on over and I'll squat for you. I think that's what it is. But a lot of these sounds you're talking about and we're getting an advanced stage of, of calling, but a lot of, a lot of guys go out there and, and this is, and I'm guilty of it. You're guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. But we all go out there, and it's a cluck, a yelp, and a purr. That's basically it. Maybe throw a cut in there every once in a while if we're good enough on a mouth call or slate or whatever. And we basically have four calls. Now, them four calls will kill turkeys, and them four calls will, you know, bag turkeys every year. But a lot of these turkeys that are pressured, 
a lot of these turkeys that are hinned up, a lot of these turkeys that have been pushed around, especially on public land, uh, you're going to have to finesse them. And I, I call it finessing a gobbler. You know, it's kind of like in bass fishing when you're trying to catch spawning bass and you got to lay that bait. You can't throw a spinner bait in there. You can't throw a crank bait in there. You can't throw something heavy and splash water. You've got to take that worm or lizard or whatever and just lay it right in there without making a sound. And it's called finesse fishing. Well, some gobblers are just finesse. You know, it's it's really just like you're finessing them. It's, you, you're giving them something that they're used to hearing every day, but the only difference is you don't hear it as a hunter because these hens, what I call doing it under your breast stuff, they're doing it so soft, you don't never hear it like you do a, like you would a cut or a yelp or a, you know, a loud. So what these gobblers are hearing every day is these whines, uh, the wheel wheels, the little wheel wheel feeding calls. Uh, so if you can put a wine and a little wheel wheel and maybe a little do it, do it, what I call do it, do it, just them little bitty under your breath type sounds when he's out there, you know, under 80 yards, sometimes that's all it takes. And the, and the guy out here that's just plucking, purring, yelping, sometimes that gobbler ain't going to break for you. But another guy that can do them things, you know, like you talk about the wine, sometimes them gobblers that you would never kill with just them basic four calls. When you throw just a little extra under your breath stuff, like the wine, the wheel wheels and stuff like that. It's all, it's all it takes, man. They just, they just break and come right on in. Well, well, yeah. And I think one, one sort of aha moment I had with that hunt. So that bird was a, I'm going to guess somewhere between 100 and 150 yards, and I was on a ridge top, and he was down over the, the, the lip of the ridge a little bit. So when he first gobbled, I could tell he sounded farther. And, you know, I made my calls, and <clears throat> knowing he was farther away, I, I, I thought you know, it was 11 o'clock. I thought, what do I have to lose? I don't got much time left. And I just thought, I'm going to throw one of these in there. And, you know, you can, you know, if you want to do a call, by all means, you're going to do it better than I do. But I was going to do what I did here and, like, the way I, you described it and some of the other people that I've, I've listened to describe it, it's kind of low and under your breath like you just said. And I, I think I actually the call I had was real raspy, and it was a new call to me. And I, I flipped it upside down to get a truer sound, and I just went. Or something like that. And, and I think that's all I did, maybe a little bit longer. And uh, it was under my breath that quiet, and, and he gobbled to it. And I'm thinking, he heard that. From over a hundred yards away, so not only was I thinking, okay, he, he, I did this sound that I've just first time I've used in the woods, and he answered to it. But the thought I had was, okay, all the birds I've worked over the years that have been somewhere between fifty and one hundred and fifty yards, and you're doing exactly what you just talked about those yelps, whether they're loud yelps, soft yelps, clucks, and purrs, and whatever. I was never doing that subtle in-between communication, that you, and that was exactly what I just said. It's a natural thing, and it never clicked for me. And that bird, it took that bird and a couple people like yourself telling me this to go, wow, there's, there's, I'm, I'm, I just missed something in turkey communication. Now I feel like I'm on to something. I learned something. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and, what, and what you're saying is so true. You're having a conversation with that turkey and, you know, calling – is so much, of course, a part of it. Um, and when you get into the calling aspects of, of, of turkey hunting, you don't have to be a world champion caller. You don't have to even be a great caller. Sometimes you can do the god awfulest call and get one to gobble. But then, then you got to get, and that's what I've always told people is you've got to start getting better every year 
Uh, and I'm not talking about you have to be as good as one of these, you know, world champion callers because I'm definitely not. But I, learning the vocalizations and learning the how to sound real is what it's about. It's not about, you know, uh, well, it, so-and-so sounds better than me. It's about, does this sound kind of real to a hen turkey? And what what I would challenge people to do is not just listen to your favorite caller, but get audio of a real genuine hen turkey, which is on YouTube. Uh, get audio if you have to and get video. Find these real hens doing this that people has recorded and then practice that because that's going to teach you more than anything. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> continuing on talking about turkey communication, you know, we were t- you're talking about um, the interpretation of the wine. You said some people say it's when a hen's agitated and then others would say and, and you would be fall under the category of, of something. It's like a, it's a breeding call. Um, mm-hmm. one, one call, and I want your interpretation of it, one call that I've kind of seen it's the same call, it's the same sound, but it's used in different contexts, is a purr. I've heard hens purr, and it's, you know, it's a fighting, it's an agitative thing, but then, you know, they'll purr under their breath and cluck when they're feeding, so it's a feeding call, too. So, uh, like, whether it's a purr, whether it's a whine, like, have you have you experienced, or do you have any thought process on, like, the different uses of similar similar calls and and stuff like that? Yeah, if she's uh, if she's mad, that's they want to fight. Uh, it does sound like a, a purr, you know, and, and it kind of is a purr, I guess. But it's a uh, it's more fighting, you know, and that's a good call to use if a gobbler's hung up too. If if I mean, I've did that uh, a couple times, you know. Uh, la- actually, last year I had a gobbler hung up. Uh, it was in late season. I had a gobbler hung up, and uh, he was just over the hill, and I couldn't get him to move. No other way. I tried everything. I tried whining to him. Tried you know, will will to him. I tried scratching the leaves and all this stuff, nothing worked. And uh, so I just picked my slate call up and I thought, well, let's try this. And I started doing the fighting pro with my mouth calling and the slate call too. And buddy, that broke him. Here he come. So I think sometimes it's, you know, you got to play on that dominance and that pecking order. Uh, so a fighting purr is a good call to, to learn, uh, which is, you know, basically you're just purring a bunch and being agitated. But when you get into that soft stuff, like you're talking about that under your breath, that, that, you know, uh, her, that's just the contentment call. You know, she's out there. She's just content. She's telling everybody, all them other turkeys, Hey, everything's okay. I don't see no danger. I don't, I don't sense no danger. Nothing's here trying to get us. It's okay. But, you know, scratching the leaves is great when you're purring, uh, just paint that picture out there because he can hear that out there, you know, 60, 70, 80 yards, even he can hear, you scratching the leaves and purring, but you got to remember, I tell you, one thing, one thing I hear is people purr too loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they want that, brrr, you know, they want to purr too loud and hens don't purr loud. That you, I mean, again, you barely hear a purr. How, if you think about it, how, how many times in the woods hunting have you heard a hen whine or purr? If you're looking to simplify your food plot system while enhancing the quality of your soil, you need to check out Vitalize Seed Company. Vitalize provides top quality seed blends designed to fit into their 1-2 planting system. The system has been designed to allow highly diverse plant species to grow synergistically, optimizing nutrient uptake and cycling the way God intended. Reduce your inputs, build your soil, 
and maximize the quality tonnage for the wildlife in your area. Find out more about this system and get your seed at vitalizedseed.com and be sure to check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Well, to answer that question, per, I've heard them per numerous times, but I think I'm going to say 90% of the time was in an open field food plot situation where they were within 50 yards of me, and I heard that. Um, I'm not saying I haven't heard it in the woods. I'm sure I have because I've spent plenty of times in the turkey woods. But wines from from a real uh, in-person situation – Gosh, I'm trying to remember, recall. Maybe I did. I mean, I've seen, I've, I've seen hens carrying on and strutting in front of my my hen decoy and doing dominance things there, and they make some crazy sounds. But I mean, to hear a whine, and you know, you, you know, one thing as I'm answering this question, I'm, I'm formulating another. You were talking about a whine versus a wheel wheel. I don't know what the difference is. I've heard people use a wheel wheel and say it was a whine. Is is it? It, what's what's going on there? What's the difference in that form of communication in your mind? No, I think uh, it's kind of like kind of like I think too. It's a lot of where you come from, you know, like some something Southern hunters won't say or Western whatever. Some people think it's a wine. I personally don't. I think a wine is what me and you are discussing. A wheel wheel is just a feed call. It's mm. something that they do when they're feeding. Uh, a, a wine is when she's getting ready to breed. She mm-hmm. wants to. He's ready to do something. Uh, but a wheel wheel is just like she's out there. She's picking. Just imagine that hen out there picking grasshoppers or picking grass. And she's just, you know, wheel wheel, wheel wheel, wheel wheel, you know. Uh, or I've heard the do it, do it. You know, the, the like like sometimes I've heard the wheel wheel, do it, do it. You know, and I'm just saying that because that's what you would say on a mouth call. Like a do it, do it, wheel wheel, wheel wheel. And so when you when you it's. It's just it's just painting that picture of that turkey. When I was in Alabama back in uh, a few weeks ago, I was in Alabama and started turkey season in Georgia, but then I went over to Alabama. That's what broke that turkey, man. I worked two hours, two hours uh, on that turkey to get him out, and he was within 60, 70 yards of me for two hours, and he would not budge. He did not. I was sitting right on the edge of a food plot, and he did not want to come out in that. He stayed right inside the the, the tree line, and I couldn't. I couldn't move no further. He was too close. And uh, I tried everything. I mean, I I tried everything. Uh, And I went quiet on him. I tried letting him go four or five times and called to him. You know, sometimes that works. I tried scratching the leaves. I tried everything. And he stayed right there within a, you know, 50, 40, 60, 70. I could hear him spitting and drumming. I could hear his, when he would gobble, sometimes he'd be so close. I could hear his his chest rattle and I'd hear his feathers shake the ground. And I'm thinking, why won't this turkey come out in this, you know? And, uh, you know, I started doing the wheel wheels and that's what broke him. And he finally, after two hours, he finally come out, but he thought that hen was out there and it sounded real to him. And, uh, I started whining to him a little bit. Then I started the wheel wheels and that broke him. And here he come. Mm -hmm. And I shot him, I shot him at 15 steps. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, those are the ones you like, and they're nice and easy and in your lap. You know the uh, and, and the other video I think you had you said was a was that in Georgia because that bird when you started whining him, man, he just fired up. Now was he gobbling like that beforehand, or was that just like a flip of a switch? Flip of the switch. It was just a flip of the switch. He would gobble like maybe one or two times, and then he would get real spacey and maybe gobble one or two times later. But man, when I started whining to him, it just flipped it. I mean, he went nuts. <laughs> he went crazy. So, 
uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's just a, it's just a bag. Of, it's just another trick in the bag. And when you go out there, and I've seen this so many times, when you just go out there with basic knowledge, you, you'll kill a turkey eventually. But when you just go out there with three or four calls, you know, uh, you know, yelp, purr, cluck. Sometimes that's all you need. But for these old finicky turkeys, <laughs> you know, you're going to you're going you're going to get your butt kicked more. We're all going to get it kicked. Uh, you know, every year we're all going to get a kick. Now I get, I get mine kicked all the time, mm -hmm. but you're going to get a kick more and you're going to be more frustrated if you don't improve on them low sounds. Soft calling will kill you more turkeys than any loud calling. And especially right now we're getting ready to go into the late season. So the, the later that it gets in May, the more softer I'll go. You know, very rarely will you find me up on a point somewhere, at, uh, you know, at eight, nine o'clock in the day, just, you know, uh, I just don't do it. You know, I'll just go through there and sound like a hen that's just moving through there. And, and when I get one to respond, I'm soft calling him in. Soft calling will kill you more turkeys. And, and I know we all like to get loud. We all like to locate them way off and go run after them and chase them. But. But when, when they're not doing that, you've got to tone it down. And so many people, uh, the, the one thing that people tell me that hunt with me, you know, like sometimes I'll go with subscribers or, you know, to my channel, or sometimes I'll, you know, have an invite for, you know, someone will invite me to their place or something. And the one thing that people are so amazed is they say, what I've learned more the last few days hunt with you is how loud I'm calling. I'm calling way too loud. <laughs> And uh, they just can't believe that I call that soft and turkeys can hear it. But like you said, they hear it and they know where you're at. Well, on to that volume of calling. So, you know, you, I, I don't know what your interpretation of it would be, but I've been with turkey hunters that talk about, oh, you're over calling. You're over calling for the situation. So then I think about low calling and I, I think, well, you know, how much of that can they hear? So my question to you is, is overcalling a lot of the time something that people would interpret because it's overcalling in a loud volume, but calling is something turkeys naturally do in a lot of cases, and you can, you know, hens talk a lot, but it's under their breath. So, like, I'm trying to understand, okay, if I'm if I'm going to call under my breath, can you overcall under your breath if it's like a feeding call type stuff or like, do you know what I'm, you know, what I'm, I don't know if you yeah. understand what I'm trying to ask or not. No, I, I understand. And I really don't, you know, I'm not going to say you couldn't, but man, it would really be hard. It would okay. be hard. It would be hard to overcall under your breath. Like, because, and this is where that, you know, a lot of people get on me every year. Like I'll have, I, not being disrespectful, but I'll have a lot of, you know, old timers or people that's been uh, mentally just taught for years that turkeys are call shy. There's no such thing as a call shy turkey. That turkeys are not call shy. That's just the most ridiculous myth that turkey hunters believe in is call shy turkeys. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Turkeys hear other turkeys every day of the year, spring, summer, fall, winter, all every day they're communicate with one another. So they can't be call shy. So we got this belief that, well, you know, they hear that call and they're out of here because they're, they know that that's, a, that's not real. And that's just not real. That's just not true. They're not call shy. They're human shy and they're predator shy and they're idiot shy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the idiots you have to deal with, especially on public land that don't have a clue what they're doing. That's who you got. That's what makes them in educated. But 
I, I think you can overcall if you if you're really getting loud and you cutting so much. I, I man, I, I hung with a guy one time years ago. All he wanted to do was cut because every time he would cut, this turkey would gobble, and because uh, it was a shot gobble, it wasn't a oh I'm I'm waiting for you get over here. I want to breed you. It was a shot gobble, just like you do an owl call, a crow call. And uh, every time he cut, he would gobble. And I mean, that's all he would want to do. It's just, and, uh, you know, I finally told him, I said, man, you're doing that way too much. You need to stop. And that was long before I had, uh, you know, doing it professionally. And this was just when I was a young, you know, young boy out there. I said, man, you're doing this way too much. But we want to hear that turkey respond to us. But you got to remember something. And this is so important, especially for, for people listening tonight. A turkey don't have to gobble in order to respond to you. He responds by other ways. When 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 he don't gobble, but you can't see him because of the, you know, he's in the woods or, or he's over a dip or whatever. But when he hears you calling out there 70, 80, 100 yards, you know what he's doing most of the time? He's putting that head up and he's going and he's strutting. Well, what's he doing when he's strutting? He's responding to you. Uh, you know, he doesn't have to gobble to attract a hen. So a lot of times we want that gobble, and that's what we judge turkey hunting on. But when you can just not get so caught up in the goblin, I love the go I love the goblin too, and I want to get him to gobble, you know, because we all enjoy that. But people will say, well, they're just not like last year in 2022. They're just not goblin. They just ain't goblin. And I went through, I went, you know, I wound up killing, I think, eight or eight or nine gobblers. I can't remember, but uh, the, the entire season. And I'm going to tell you something, about four or five of them come in dead quiet, didn't even know they was on the place. I don't care if they gobble or not. I'm going to kill them anyway. Right. You know what I'm saying? You don't, you don't get hung up on the, the goblin. But the moment you get hung up on the goblin, man, you'll be back at Hardy's at nine o'clock saying, it's over. <laughs> it's over. It's done. It's done. And it's just not true. Uh, but. I don't think you can overcall. I'm not saying you couldn't, but man, it would be hard doing that soft stuff. You could do that all day long because that's what hens are doing. That that's really interesting that you say that, and I think that's so. I think the ideology that many people that go turkey and, and I, I've said this before on the show, and I'm going to say this again. I believe there are turkey hunters, and I believe there are people who go turkey hunting. I would classify myself as somebody who goes turkey hunting, and and I've I've learned that you know myself and friends, you know, we love that idea of running and gunning, getting a bird to fire up, and working him in, and doing exciting calling because it, it's it is exciting hearing a bird running. We we all love that, right? But one thing I will say, um, I spent the first probably, I don't know, 10 years of my turkey hunting career, I guess you'd call it, um, hunting them with the bow because I wanted to kill one so bad with the bow. And what did I do? I sat in a blind and I waited and I called and I waited. And um, I didn't kill hardly any turkeys. But I will tell you, that taught me patience. And I tell you what, one thing that I've used now whenever I'm turkey hunting in general is – I'm not as quick to up and run and move just because I don't necessarily need to be. I, I just need to be patient and sometimes waiting things out works. And I think now learning this, you know, the, you know, different forms of communication stuff, it's just another thing. And just, just to not be running and, and constantly moving and trying to strike a gobbler up and got to work that bird, you know, not getting them to play the game you want them to play, but actually just being a turkey hunter and understanding turkeys and doing turkey things and killing them on their game, I guess is what, I, what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. I mean, I've always said when you feel like, you, especially in the late season, if you feel like you've set, 
you felt like you long enough, set 20 minutes more. Look at your look at your phone or your watch. If you still wear a watch and just say 20 minutes more. I'm going to say here 20 more minutes or 30 more minutes or whatever. And many, many times, them 20 minutes is, is what pays off. And if you've got to move, you know, so it's a mental thing. And it, it really is. Because, man, I mean, face it, you're sitting there at the base of a tree. You know, your, 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 your butt starts hurting. Your back starts hurting. Man, you sit there and you start getting your legs. Your leg starts getting stiff. You want to get up and move. And you think the grass is greener somewhere else. But the turkeys are there. If they're there, the sign's there. They're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just have to be patient. And, uh, I mean, I agree with you. We all love that rip-roaring goblin, you know, turkey. But sometimes they ain't going to do that. Now, the one I killed this morning, I, I hunted him seven. This is the seventh hunt for him. Not, not straight because he was in Tennessee and I'm in Virginia. And it's an hour and a half to the farm where I hunt. But uh, I hunted him opening weekend, uh, April 15th and the 16th. So that was two hunts. I was on the same bird. I was on him the next weekend. That's two more because I'd go down on the weekends. And that was two more Saturdays and Sundays. Then I was on him a third weekend, another Saturday and Sunday. And then I finally killed him this morning. So seven hunts and every, every, I mean, every hunt, he was in almost in the same place, but he was so hard to get on and he would roost in different trees. So you didn't know exactly if he was over here, if he was over here, over here, but he was in the same area. But this turkey was the most, I, I don't name turkeys or deer. I just don't, I just never got into it. But sometimes if I have one to get under my skin, I'll give him a nickname, you know, and I named this t- turkey Corky. He was the most quirkiest thing I've ever seen. Uh, he was a four-year-old. And I, I was thinking, this has to be a subordinate two-year-old that's scared to death, or he's just a weird turkey that I, I you know, he was 25 pounds, an inch and a quarter spurs, 10 and a half inch beard, a big, huge gobbler, mature gobbler. But brother, he never had a hen with him. He's He's never strutted. I've never seen him in strut. I've never, but he would gobble like crazy on the roost. But the moment he'd hit the ground, he would take legs and just go, man. And he wouldn't pay no attention to you. He wouldn't pay no attention to no calling you did, nothing. So what do you do in a situation like that? I mean, you're sitting here calling to this turkey, soft calling, loud calling, tree calling, you know, everything. And he just, he just hits the ground. He just takes off. <laughs> and it's like, what, what is this deal, you know? He wouldn't strut. His head would be just as red as Jake's, like a fall turkey. I mean, he, he, you could just tell he wasn't excited at all. And uh, so basically, I just thought, okay, my calling ain't working, so I'm going to have to do something else. And uh, I just started trying to think of ways to kill it. Almost killed him uh, Sunday. Almost killed him this past Sunday. But I said, okay, I'm getting closer. And then this morning, I pulled an old trick out of the bag and wound up uh, taking him out with me. So. It, it was it was crazy though, but that goes to show you you can't just depend on one style of hunting. Is the trick something that we're going to keep in the bag for another Matt Dale video? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, yeah, I'll let the cat out of the bag. I'll probably uh, actually this when I put all this video together of killing him, uh, you know, I, I was headed. But what I did was he he roosted in he would roost over here uh, whether it was sixty seventy yards to my left. Or some mornings he'd be over here to my right. And, and then three or four mornings out of about seven mornings, there was about four mornings that he was right on this one little, what I call a knoll. It was just a little old hump, but it was right on the edge of this field. Well, the field's 200 yards wide. So the moment he hits that field, you can't get to him. He's just booking it. You know, he's just out of there. And, uh, and, but if you could catch him inside the timber, he have, he'd have to walk out. 
of that field. Well, most of the mornings, like I said, uh, I, well, it was half and half. He would be right on the edge and he'd pitch out in the field. Well, so I'm thinking I'm going to have to catch him in the timber. There's just no way you're going to kill him. I put a decoy up and I'm not a big decoy person, but I even tried that this couple of weeks ago. I put a decoy out. He come out in the field, looked at it, and he just took off. <laughs> and I was going, this is crazy, you know, uh, never strutted or nothing. And so long story short, uh, I walked in there and I just, I just kind of seen them big trees in there on this knoll. And I said, man, he's on this knoll. And the only trees that he can roost in is these three big ones right here. I mean, I don't still see him roosting these little bitty skinny ones. So I just, what I did was uh, I found me, there was, there was a big old tree about 40, 50 yards back from them three great big trees. And so it's about 70 yards from the edge of the field where you walk into the woods to this tree. So what I did was I knew I was going to have to get in there pitch dark very early and get right underneath him. Now I wasn't going to shoot him off the roost. I don't believe in that, but I was, you're going to have to get right under this turkey because if I can catch you here, he's going to have to fly down and I'm going to kill him as soon as he hits the ground. Well, getting in there is the problem because it's so open, you know, it's just wide open. And uh, so what I did was I, uh, I went to the edge of the field and I, marked that tree that where I was going to sit and I went to that tree and I took my foot and I started scraping a big old dirt path. I took all the sticks out of the way and I just scraped a big, look like a dirt bike path all the way to 70 yards to that tree where I could go in there, find it and walk up that dirt path and get in there without making any noise, no sticks, no breaking, no leaves, no nothing. And so I could get right underneath it. Well, I did that Sunday morning, but he was over here. He was too far over here. And, and he was about 60 yards from me, but he was just, too, and then he pitched right behind me and he went right out in the field and took off. And almost, but I walked in there this morning on that dirt path and I said, sooner or later, he's going to be on this snow. And man, when he gobbled, when he gobbled, he was, he was about 40 yards from me. And I mean, I just, I, I pulled my cap down like this and I just looked up and I never could see, him, but he was right there. And, uh, and man, he gobbled like four times on the roost pitched down. And when he pitched down, he pitched right down under the hill. And all I did was just a, two or three clucks and maybe a soft little yelp, tree yelp, you know, let him think I'm still in a tree, gobbled one time. And he just started walking. But man, when he started walking, he was booking it. I'm talking, he was, he was getting out of Dodge, but he went behind this tree. And when he went behind that tree, I turned around real quick. And when he came out, which was cool, you know, it's kind of, a luck because when he come out from behind that tree, he's 25 yards. When he come out from behind it, I had just moved and he caught the last part of my movement and he throwed the brakes on and it looked like he'd seen a ghost, but it was too late. So yeah. I had that <laughs> and, and uh, I shot him, but I guarantee you if I'd have been back there 30, 40 yards, I'd have never killed him because he would have hit the ground and took off like he does every morning. It was just the weirdest turn. And when I went up, picked him up, he's 25 pounds. He's a, a huge hook spur turkey. He's a mature gobbler. And I'm going, what is the deal with this turkey? This is the craziest thing. You know, because a turkey like that, you would think he'd be out in the field strutting, getting every hen around him and just displaying and just, you know, you would think he'd be like a normal gobbler. Man, he was absolutely the most scaredest, <laughs> porkiest. It was almost like he had no hormones whatsoever. And so what do you do? Well, you know, you, you got to figure out a way to get super tight on them and 
and you know making your path works if you know kind of the area he's in make your path and get into it because you can't make any noise whatsoever going in even in the dark you can't because they'll fly off in the dark I've, I've had it happen to me they'll fly right in the dark i was just going to comment on that because you know you talking about making a path during the day when they're not there that's so because i've been in those situations in, in in multiple ways you know on one half I've been in situations where I climbed up in a deer stand in the fall, and it's. I know that I wasn't completely silent. I know I made a little bit of noise, but you know the sun starts coming up, and you know I start hearing hearing rustling in the trees and looking. Well, there's there's birds roosted right above me. How did I get under these turkeys without them pitching? And then I've had the other times, the other end of the spectrum, where. I go turkey hunting in the springtime, and I have an area I picked out, and I know they roost in this general area, but this is where I want to be, and I think I can get in there quiet, and it'll be pitch black, and all of a sudden, it's really, it's pitch black. What is going on here? I can't believe those suckers will do that. But then I've heard people that do get into them when they're in the roost, and I always think, how the heck do you do that? How do you do that? Don't they see you? What's going on? It's hard, man. It's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. I don't like doing it myself. I, I, you know, I like the old fashioned way of sitting back 70, 80. Sometimes I've even set up 200 yards away from him on the roost because, uh, I want him coming looking for me for a while. And, and, uh, if, if it depends on how he's gobbling, if he's really gobbling hard and I know he's, he's by himself, sometimes I'll set 150 yards away from him. I want him, I want him to come because, the closer you get to that roots, now I wasn't calling this morning. I wasn't going to call till he hit the ground. And then I was really going to be, you know, careful how I call because he's so spooky. And, uh, but uh, I've had times where you get 60, 70 yards from a root and you'll sit there and we'll start working him and he'll fly down and just get in his strut zone because he thinks you're coming to him. Mm-hmm. And I want him coming looking for me a little bit. Now, you know, sometimes you got to adjust, but, Man, I killed one back uh, three weeks ago. He gobbled hard on the roost. Uh, I think it's the 12th of April. Gobbled hard on the roost. Man, he flew down. Uh, but I, I stayed back about 120 yards from him. I could have got a lot closer, but I just stayed back about 120 because I wanted him to come looking for me. I knew he was by himself the way he was acting. And, uh, buddy, I mean, yeah, it took him about an hour and a half, but here he come. You know, he, he just come, like, worked him in on a string. But, uh that's what we all like, but every turkey's different, and you can't hunt this. Uh, you know, you can't hunt a turkey the same way. And I get so many questions, and and it's fine, you know, because it just means people's watching and and they they value my opinion. But uh, I, I get so many questions from guys, you know, and gals. They'll they'll write me and say, "Hey, I've got this turkey doing this, and hey, I got this turkey doing that. What should I do?" And it's hard for me to answer that because I don't know. I'm not there, I'm not listening to it. I don't know what kind of terrain you're hunting. I don't know the situation. I mean, it all depends on the terrain, the situation. It depends on the time of year. There's so many things. And that's what makes turkey hunting so hard to teach is because there's so many variables. And what and you'll, you'll t- like me, where my videos are educational, I'll teach one thing on one video and then three or four weeks do something totally different because that's what the situation called for. But that's why I've always said you got to have more than just one way of turkey. Like you was talking earlier, uh, setting the blind decoys, and, you know, not knocking anybody at hunts like that. But you're not really getting an education on turkey hunting. You're getting, you know, it's you'll kill a turkey eventually, but you're not really understanding the art form of turkey hunting. And I have people uh, all the time, and I'm not knocking anybody. And if anybody's listening, I don't want to offend nobody. And, and you know, anyway, it's legal in your state. I'm all for you, but 
you know, I just, I don't like reaping and all this banning stuff because I think it destroys the art form of turkey hunting. You know, it's just, you're not learning nothing. It, you're not, you're not learning how to turkey hunt. You know what I'm saying? That's my opinion. And when you're just sticking a fan out there, walking out into a field and shooting a gobbler 10 yards, what are you doing? I mean, really, what are you doing? You're chasing I mean, an adrenaline rush. That's what you're chasing. The same reason why we like to hunt turkeys when we find that bird that wants to play the game, wants to come into a, a cutting hen that's excited, that's gobbling, that's strutting, that's doing all the things turkeys do. Uh, you're mimicking that, but you're doing it out in plain day for a bird to see, and they're 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 mad, they're agitated at a, at a subordinate gobbler is challenging them, and they're going to come running in. And I, again, I would agree with you that if it's legal, when in Rome, do as the Romans, uh, but I would I would agree with you that there's there's something to be doing. I, I can't lie, you know, it's not legal to do that in Pennsylvania. I know people that have done it, but I, I my interpretation of the Pennsylvania laws would say that's illegal. Um, and I'm sure people would challenge me on that, but that's just my interpretation. Anyway, I would love to just experience it. I would love to experience a gobbler coming in, running, and wants to kick your butt. But, yeah, you're not learning anything. You know, I said about bow hunting and sitting on a blind and stuff. Um, I would say the voc- I, I learned cool vocalizations. I've had great experiences. Um, it taught me patience. But the, I do agree that when you talk about turkey hunting as an art form and and how turkeys move like you're just you're sitting in a lek you're sitting in an open area for a bird to strut or a feeding zone same thing um you're you're learning a piece of the puzzle and i think in my opinion now that i've kind of going back to you know just trying to learn to be a better turkey hunter not using that one specific form i think spending so much time sitting in a blind and and hunting that way has taught me certain aspects of turkey hunting that most people don't get on the other end of the spectrum when they're just running and gunning, cu- trying to find a, a hot bird. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I, and I'm not saying that you can't learn nothing. You, right, you can definitely that. But but I think like my dad's generation, and you know, my dad and all the great turkey hunters of the past, they they knew calling and they knew birds and they knew behavior and they knew things. Well. I think our generation, because we're about the same age, we've kind of lost that. We know a lot of guys just don't have no clue about behavior or what turkeys do. Uh, I mean, I get asked about gobbler yelping. You know, they're like, well, I don't know. I don't even know what gobbler yelping is. And it's like, man, I learned that when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like was, we were taught that. And uh, but anymore, it's like, you know, decoys, blinds set on the field. And, and you'll kill a turkey eventually, and, and you'll learn a few things uh, doing that, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're not going to learn how to kill turkeys constantly. You're going to kill one, one two a year, maybe, or, you know, every once in a while. You, But you're not going to learn how to go and kill turkeys constantly in different situations. Uh, and I'm not bragging. I'm not the world's best turkey hunter by any means. Uh, but, you know, I've killed a bunch of them. I've right. killed a bunch of 30 years. And I can tell you that I'm confident enough. I can go anywhere in the United States and you put me around some goblin turkeys. It may take me a few days to figure it out, but I'll figure it out eventually because turkey turkeys and you're going to learn gobbler behavior. You know, I've had people say, come up here to so-and-so on public land, try that. You ain't going to do it. And then I go and do it. Right. You know, and then, you know, it's like, you can't do that on public land. You can't do that. You know, and it's like, yes, you can. Turkeys are turkeys. They don't know that's a public land. 
they don't, it's like deer hunting. You know, they think that deer like read signs, like, oh, public, we can't go. <laughs> and it's like, that. It's they don't know. They, they, they don't know. All they know is pressure. That's right. all they know. There's something over here that's not over here. But them big bucks are on public just like they are on private. And the turkeys are on private just like they are on public. It's you know what I'm saying? It's it's not that that turkey on public, and I know this makes some of you public like guys mad. This public land guys mad because you won't think you're God's gifts turkey hunting. But you public land turkey hunters are no better and no greater than this guy over here that's struggling getting his tail kicked on private. Because most of the turkeys that you're killing on public, you're hunting the outside perimeters anyway. You're right up next to Farmer Jones's fence, and you're calling them off private on the public. So is it a public land turkey or a private land turkey that you just shot? He, because they live on both. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah, you know? I feel confident in the one that I killed was was a, was probably a public land turkey because I was hunting in a block of like sixty thousand acres of state forest land. So that felt pretty good. But no, right. you know, you brought up a good point. I want to kind of circle back. We were talking about gobbler yelping, and we're we're talking about turkey communication, right? And I've heard gobbler yelps many times. I've heard them spring. I've definitely heard them in the fall. A lot of time when they're waking up in the morning, I've heard them yelping and then gobbling and carrying on. And I've heard Jake's yelping in the spring pretty commonly. So I've I've heard that but uh in my deer hunting mind and my my lack of uh what's the word i'm thinking of uh critical thinking lack of critical thinking as a turkey hunter um i haven't really used it in application for spring turkey hunting and you know somebody like yourself who i'm kind of curious a a gobbler yelp or just the realism in a situation like how are you using that call to add realism to the situation or what's the application in which that might be worth trying end up gobblers baby okay. end up when, when he's hemmed up out there and he ain't breaking for nothing he's got three four five six seven girlfriends around him and he ain't paying no attention to me and i and and, and i'm trying to get a hen fired up that lead hen and she ain't paying no attention to me i'll gobble yelp at him i'll challenge him and i'm to it don't work all the time you know it's like anything nothing works all the time but i have called adult gobblers away from four or five hens and watch his head absolutely go blistered red and get angry and you know you start gobbler yelping not jake yelping but gobbler yelping just lengthen out them yelps you know and four or five note long yelps mm -hmm. and deep yelps and man he's he'll he'll actually strut and he'll and you'll see his head just turn and he will actually walk away from them hens sometime now he may not leave them like whole lot but let's say here's here's the way i like to use it because i've done this a few times in my life if he's out there at 100 yards or 80 yards and he's got some hens with him he's just out of gun range i'll gobble yell to him because if he comes he may not come the whole way in because he ain't gonna leave them hens too far but let's say he comes 40 yards to investigate what new guy just challenged him guess what if he's at 80 and he comes 40 what is he dead <laughs> are now with tss loads you know like my 20 gauge man i don't even have a 12 gauge anymore you know i, I stopped talking with 12 gauge a long time ago i'm i mean i'm shooting these apex loads with this 20 gauge and 50 yards is no problem now mm. I, I don't shoot 50 yards because i don't have to i usually get them into my lap but 50 yards is no problem and uh so if he's even if he's at 100 and he comes say 45 or 50 yards he's he's dead you know so 
he may not leave them his totally because he's gonna stay. But if he comes halfway, then he's in your lap, and you're gonna you're gonna kill him with today's loads. So gobbler yelping is great. It works better in the fall. I agree. If you're a fall turkey hunter, which I know Pennsylvania is a huge fall turkey hunting state, which I want to come up there someday and fall turkey hunt. Uh, but uh, it's great in the fall because that's when they do it mostly. But they do it in the spring too, and the same reaction. You got to remember the same reaction you're getting from a strutting decoy um, is the same reaction you're getting to gobbler yelping. You're challenging. You're challenging with a strutting decoy. Well, when you gobbler yelp, you're challenging. You're challenging the pecking order. So when I see them hinned up and they won't come to nothing else and he ain't breaking, hey, I want to do something. I've always said this, and 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 and, I, and if you don't listen to nothing else I've said tonight, folks, listen to this. Deer, turkey, it don't matter. If they're walking away from me, you know, if I've got a grunt call and I got rattling horns, if that deer is walking away from me and it's a buck I want to shoot and he's going away from me, I did this last year in Indiana, killed a big buck in Indiana. He was walking dead away from me. I ain't going to just sit there and go, well, he walked away. I'm going to do something. Hey, what have you got to lose? He's leaving anyway. I'm going to do something. I picked them rattling horns up, banged them together. And man, he circled, come right around and shot him eight steps or, you know, shot him right under the tree stand. So, so, uh, but turkey hunt, same way. If he's walking away from me and he's leaving, what do you got to lose? Throw the kitchen sink at him, pull every trick you got. He's cause he ain't coming anyway. And you could do that one thing, but too many guys get so nervous about calling and oh, they're call shy. I don't want to call too much. Hey, if he's leaving, you better believe I'm going to do something because I ain't going to sit there and just watch him walk away and me say, well, I should have done this. No, I'm going to do something. <laughs> I'm going to do something, you know, and many yeah. times that'll turn him around and bring him right to me. Yeah. Well, and, uh, going back to, to gobbler up real quick. So I've heard it, you've heard it. I'm sure there's people that live listening that might not have heard it or might not exactly know what we're talking about. Um, first of all, my curious curiosity, my, my first question would be what's usually your go-to, call for doing that me personally what i've i've done when i gobbler yelp is i use a mouth call but instead of putting the amount of pressure that i put on on for a hen call to get that real high pitched shorter duration yelp and, and kind of rasp it out i kind of put less pressure on the call and do yep. more of a chuck and, and and kind of make it as long as i possibly can chuck 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 and four that's or five it. yelps is how i that's, do it you know that's it okay. that's perfect and that's, that's exactly how you need to do it. Uh, the way you explained is perfect. I like to do it on a box call. If I got my box call out, I think a box call does the best call you out there myself. You got a good box call. And, uh, man, I just love box calling, uh, gobbler yelping, and especially in the fall, spring. And you get that noise out there. You get that, that, that pitch. You can, you can, you know, if you got a, a good other side of your box, that's a deeper side. Uh, but on a mouth call, yeah, you're exactly right. I don't try to go. Now, I have heard gobblers in the fall. I've heard them go 15, 20, 30 yelps. Great. You know, now, but in the spring, mostly it's a, oh, 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 you know, four, four or five notes, you know, three, four or five notes. But they know the difference. When you drag that, when you, what I like to do is get a real raspy call, which, so most of my calls that I use, I don't like a raspy call for hen calling. I just don't. Mm -hmm. It just don't. It's just it's not what I really hear. So most of my mouth calls are very high pitched and very clear note. But I have uh, I have a a I have one mouth call, and uh, they're not sponsored. I, I you know I've got I've got my own 
call sponsorship, but uh, this is not even one of those. But I but I do carry it <laughs> because it does work sometimes. And I'm out there to turkey hunt. I ain't out there to make people happy. I'm out there to turkey hunt. And I got this one call that's a four read call. It's four reads. And uh, man, it's deep. Uh, it, it does the best gobbler yelp. Just jump, jump, jump. It feels like a biscuit in your mouth trying to blow it because it's. <laughs> but man, it does some good gobbler yelps. And uh, actually, it comes out of your state, Denny Golvis. Denny Golvis. Uh, yeah, I, I had his son on the show. Did you? Yep, it's a Denny Golvis four reeded call. And uh, I get one every year. Every year I've got one. If I, if I need a new one, I order one just for gobbler yelping and Jake yelping. It does the best, man. It just, oh, 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 oh. yeah, I've had them absolutely go to pieces on it. So, uh, but yeah, man. Uh, and, you know, I'm just going to give a shout out here that basically what I'm doing is what Denny Degolvis and Dick Kirby and Billy McCoy and all them great old timers, Ben Lee, what they did back in the 80s, I'm just doing today to a new generation. I'm just teaching because Denny Golvis and all them guys, they weren't about, hey, look at me kill a turkey. They was about teaching you how to kill a turkey. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think there's enough of it out there. In fact, and I'm not bragging on myself, but before a lot of these videos, I was the I was the original. I was the original educational on turkey hunting. And probably I'm still the one that, that probably gets the most attention as far as educational-wise. But there wasn't anybody back uh, even eight, nine years ago that was educating people on how to kill turkeys. But when I started my channel, I just said, you know what? I don't care if people see me kill a turkey or not. I want to teach you how to kill a turkey. You watching me, you said it earlier, you watching me kill one ain't going to teach you nothing. It's fun. It's entertaining. But I want to teach you. And, you know, you telling me, man, I wind that gobbler in, that just makes me tickle because, hey, that's something that you can pass on to another generation. And you can pass on to other people. Well, and another thing, too. So i i had this awesome experience i feel like i've told the story a thousand times in the past you know since it happened and uh i I told it to people who are experienced turkey hunters i I told um i can think of two or three experienced turkey hunters that have hunted longer than i have and i told them i said i learned about this call from a fellow i had on my podcast he has a show i saw a couple other people talking about it you know in 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 turkey hunting shows and whatnot so i i tried to apply this call and and th- their response to me was what's that i've never heard that and, and you know these are people that have killed literally have killed hundreds of turkeys you, you know wow. hundreds of spring turkeys but they said i've never heard that and i said wow. uh, I, to me i'm scratching my head i'm like wow like is this just something like localized we didn't hear or is it just i don't know it was, it was strange so learning something new and applying it i just it's it was just exciting that's all there is to it and and so many people don't know like i said they they go out there with four or five basic calls and they'll kill turkeys eventually uh if they get on the right one but you know that's what i wanted to do you know when i started my youtube channel uh when i started it i actually before i started it i went i went to every turkey channel i could find i went to everyone available at that time and watched every turkey hunt on youtube i could find and just seen what they were doing and the one thing i saw in common ain't knocking nobody because there's some great hunters out there but i just saw blinds decoys setting up in a field uh you know setting up just putting decoys out shooting a turkey high-fiving you know calling thunder chickens and ridge runners and all this stuff and trying to be a you know trying to be a bone collector you know want to be and i just saw this over and over and i thought nobody's t- telling people how why did you set up there 
why did you call like that? Why did you pick that spot? Why did you, why did you do this? Why did you do that? But see, I grew up in an era where when you, when you rented a hunt video, a turkey video in the eighties and the nineties, when you rented a hunt video, it maybe had three kills on it in 90 minutes, three kills, four kills at the most, but it was 60 minutes of hardcore. What I'm doing now, teaching people how to kill turkeys. You don't have that anymore. It's two or three minutes, short little hunts, five minutes on TV. And what you see on TV is so fake and fraud because they're just trying to sell something. And it's not really what happened when they killed the turkey. They just went back and edited to make it look like that. So it's just really discouraging that we're, right, we're, we're seeing a generation that really don't know the art form of calling and how to hunt. And when I hear, when I hear, you know, that, and when I see people and I've got so many this year, probably more this year than I ever have, First time turkey picks, you know, people struggling for four or five years, six years, about to give up on turkey hunting and just selling everything they got. And they finally kill that person because they say, man, I found your videos and I've been binge watching and I've found out so many things I was doing wrong. And thank you so much. You know, this is this is as much your turkey as it is mine. When I hear stuff like that, it makes me realize we don't we're not telling people how to turkey hunt. We're not really teaching. We're just showing them. Oh, look what a great turkey hunter I am. And I don't care if people think I'm a great turkey hunter or not. I don't care if they see me kill a turkey or not. Because when I was out there this morning, I killed that big turkey. Guess what? It was just me and him. I didn't care. I don't care if the video don't turn out. Nobody sees it. That was my hunt. That was what I enjoy. But what I can do is take what I learned from that turkey and pass it on to you. And then when you run into that situation, you go, oh, hey, let's make a path. and Let's go in there and sit down and get ahead of him, you know. And uh, so I just think that we're missing the education part of it. And, you know, I just, I, it's really discouraging to me. It just really is. But I'm starting to see a few more channels, you know, trying to do some educational stuff, but it's just not there yet. But I'm, I'm just so into trying to educate people on how to kill turkeys. I think it's gotten better. I do think from like when I was a young kid watching the Outdoor Channel, the Sportsman Channel, things like that, um, till now with, you know, social media, YouTube channels and stuff like that, I've seen a trend of it getting better. I, I do believe that, but I agree. It, it, it is still, there is still some gap. So, um, you know. Sticking with realism and calling, like, you know, we already talked about this, that, like, we, we have three or four calls. They're kind of the same calls we run. We try to find this bird. So tell me a little bit more, like, or what comes to your mind or anything at all as far as, like, adding realism, even within the calls that we have. I feel like a Yelp, you know, you you sit on if I, I've sit, I've done this before sitting on public land sitting on a bench and there's a point out in front of me and all of a sudden I hear back 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 the same amount of notes cadence volume yep. duration yep. all of that of that Yelp and I think that's a very very common Yelp looking you know hens looking you know here I am where are you kind of thing or I'm I'm you know a, a, an assembly Yelp kind of type call or something like that um, but turkeys use a Yelp in different context volumes duration so j just on to that with the calls that we already have in our toolbox what are some ways that you think we a lot of people miss miss the mark as far as communicating with those calls well the, the let's let's just start with the because that's the most famous turkey call about uh i can you talking about public land i can just about nine out of ten times pick out a hunter from a turkey it's by the way he's yelping uh a turkey does not have the same 
same exact cadence all the time. It just don't. It's not real. A hen. If you if you look at a hen when she when she's yelping, and I'm just talking about soft yelping, not even assembly yelp, just a soft yelp. She's going through there, and I don't know. I, I would do it, but I'm afraid the the, the audio would cut out. But I wish uh, we'll try it. Yeah, audio yeah give it a shot. Okay, so this is let, let's do let's do Mr. Hunter on public land. He'll go another 50 yards. He'll go another 100 yards. I mean, it's just the same thing because he's in a habit. He's in a habit of doing that. And that's not really what a turkey does. A hen's out there and she's, uh, you know, when she's yelping just during the day, soft yelping or whatever, listen at her. She's, she's, she's mixing it up. So if you want to sound real, you gotta, you gotta mix it up. Hear what I'm doing? I'm just mixing it up. I don't know how good that comes through. It came through perfect. I was adjusting our sound so we wouldn't cut out. So I think that came through pretty well. Now, that was really good. Yeah, so so you're just and, – and that's really low because I don't want to blast your ears off. But you're just trying to, you're, you know, one, two, one, two, maybe, uh, you know, do a single yelp. You know, they do a single yelp like – So you're just mixing it up, but you'll hear you'll hear Mr. Bob over here. Another another hundred yards. And it's just like, well, here we go. It just don't sound real. Now he'll get a turkey to gobble eventually, but if you want to put that realism, mix it up. Be that just in your mind, see that hen out there just moving through there in the middle of the day, just you know, trying to 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 yelp her up a a boyfriend. And uh, so I think the yelp is the biggest mistake. so many hunters make because they just don't put real into their yelping. Uh, their purrs, you know. Hold, oh, hold on a second, Matt. Not to cut you off, but I want to ask you a question related to the yelps real quick. So with that, people, are, you know, you you were talking about people going and doing that 100 yards, yelp, 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 100 yards, yelp, yelp, yelp. And you're trying to find a bird in that case and most times. So my question then is with what you're doing with the yelps then, do you use that exact same form of yelping and communication if you're trying to look for a bird on that same ridge? Yep, I certainly do. I mean, well, you know, like I'll mix it up. I just go with what I feel. But if I, in other words, if I get, let's say, let's say I go, and let's say he gobbles at it. Well, I'm not going to sit there and five minutes later go, and five minutes later, you know, I'll mix it up and sound real. So I want to, I want to, I want to sound as real as I can to him. Uh, and so I just think that it really makes a difference instead of just doing the same thing. But see, it's just like with anything, you know, humans are a creature of habit. So anything we start getting used to, 
<laughs> it's just over and over and over and over. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm absolutely mixing up yelping, but it's so natural to me now. I don't even think about it. Right. See, it, it, it I, I don't even think about, do I need to mix it up? It just comes so natural. But when you, when, and when you do it, it'll just come natural to you, but man, it sounds so much real. Listen to a hen on audio or a video and watch her, watch her very, very rarely. Will she do the same exact thing for 10 minutes straight? Right. And you were going into purrs. I, w- I want you to keep rolling well, with this. Well, purrs, purrs, you know, a lot of people will just do the same purrs. And this is where you kind of got to, you know, practice different purrs. You know, you've got, you've got a basic purr, which is, you know, sometimes all you need. Uh, and that's just, you know, a, a basic purr. You know, and that'll work. That'll work. It's great. But, you know, sometimes, you know, you want to go really soft, you know, go really soft and just kind of, you know, almost, you know, almost gurgle it, you know, try to, one of the best ways to learn, and I'm not really great at it because of the way my uvula is and everybody's mouth is different or, but if you can learn to flutter your tongue or the back of your throat and just use your throat and see mm-hmm. most of my, most of my mouth calling don't come from my lips. If you watch me mouth call, very, very seldom when you see me uh, moving my lips. And I learned that actually years ago watching Denny Golvis, because if you'll watch Denny Golvis, most of the times he don't lose it. It's coming from his throat. And I actually learned that by watching one of his old videos in the 80s. And uh, a lot of your great turkey callers like, uh, you know, Billy Yargis and a lot of these other guys, very seldom will they move their mouth. It's, it's all coming from here because think about it. That's where a turkey's coming from. It's coming out of here. And, and, and the pitches are different because she's moving her body, she's walking, and as she's walking, pitches are changing. And so you want to learn how to, you know, do a lot of things. Uh, if you just cluck, let's go do a cluck. If you just cluck the same way. That'll kill a turkey, you know, eventually. But mix it up. They don't just do that one cluck. They do bubble clucks, you know, whip clucks, what you call This call is about had it. This call is about had it. But anyway, you want to do that whip, whip, whip. Just say whip, 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 whip. You know, just, just, and, and sometimes what I call a really soft bubble clock, if you're going softer, you're just going, just, just doing your mouth going, just saying put, and just going really soft. They do that all the time. So it's just learning different ways to do the same call and just changing the pitches and changing it. Little things like, in fact, long story short, I killed one. Um, I killed one last year. I quit. I did the whit all the way. I mean, from the time he was coming in, that's the only thing he'd really go get fired up is when I started whitting to him. <laughs> and I just, and when I start clucking to him like regular, he wouldn't pay much attention. But when I start whit to him and scratching, whit, 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 Tore him up, man. Big Ohio gobbler and call him right in. And uh, so it let the turkey tell you what he wants. And then, if you know, go from there. If he wants your purring, go for it. But if he don't, try some. And one thing I'm going to add to this. So the sounds you're talking about, I, like I've heard turkeys do different types of sounds and then i think wow i don't know how to do that one thing that's really helped me um and this is going to sound strange i was a little bit of a cheapskate and i'd go okay well i got 
one or two new mouth calls this year, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to go more than that. But one thing that really helped me was when I started to invest in multiple different cuts of mouth calls and figuring out what I was comfortable with and understanding the different cuts and using different angles of my mouth and different pressures and playing with them. And I started to learn, oh my gosh, I can make those sounds. But what for the longest time, I would make my clucks the same way. I would make my yelps the same way because that's how I knew how to do it on that mouth call, but I wouldn't change it up. And I will say there's there's folks like yourself and other social media people that have, have done calling tutorials and thought I thought I never even thought of turning the mouth call sideways slightly in my mouth or putting yep. it to one side of my tongue or another. I've, I've done different pressures, but it's always at the same spot or using... Yep you know, different air channels or or like all this stuff. And I started hearing people do that on a mouth call. Then I started practicing and going, Oh my gosh, I sound more like a hen. Absolutely. Well, look at, look at the cut, look at the cut, a cut. When people do a cut, a regular cut, a lot of times people will do a cluck or a cut. And I know it's a hunter just by the way he's cutting sometimes. Cause he get up. Our, that ain't what a hen does. She don't do that. Listen, if if you're hearing that, that ain't what. Listen, he don't do that. What's she doing? She can't hear a gobbler's response if she's doing that. What's she doing? She's going. She's putting a lot of pauses in there. But see, she's pausing to get that response. And but if you listen to a hen, she's not. I mean, I get tickled hearing this sometimes, and I'm going, "Oh my lord, shut up! You know, stop mm-hmm. it!" And, but again, it's it's trial and error. But you're right, changing changing your airway, getting different cuts. I got some, you know, I I've got tons of cuts that, uh, and and you find where the like the wheel wheels and the wine. Uh, in my opinion, I think if people ask me if I had one mouth call to get where I could do all that, I would say a ghost cut. A ghost cut's probably the best mouth call for most beginners outside of a double, straight double read to do uh a ghost cut is just so easy for anybody to whine whistle uh you know whine uh wheel wheels all that because you don't have to put a lot of air when you start getting into your combo cuts and you start getting into your you know triple reads and you start getting into your uh man you know it can be tough uh you know you it, it's it's a lot of trial and error but uh that's why you don't want to practice that when you're out in the woods. You want to practice that in January, February, and drive your wife or drive your girlfriend or drive your kids crazy. I've been keeping them in the center console of my car and doing them when I'm on the road for a long time. It seems to be a, the most sane place to do it. Yeah. But right. adding realism, like you were talking about cutting. I watched a video of somebody cutting the other day, and when I cut – um, like I've, I've done it a couple different ways and I'm not going to cut cause I'm not a good mouth caller, but I'll just make the sound like how I have my mouth. Like I, I might go or like yeah. how I have my mouth open yeah. versus closed and where, how much I'm using my tongue versus my lips and stuff. Yeah. And I'm saying that because in, in my, to my ear, my personal opinion, what I've heard in the woods compared to what I can do, um, I don't think either of those sound as good as as a hen. And I heard somebody the other day saying you got to somehow find that happy medium in between and using your your tongue and, and your lips at the same time yeah. to make that yeah. true cutting sound. And I heard him do it and went, 
that sounds like a hen I just heard fly down the other yeah. morning. It, it yeah. sounds spot on. And me trying to practice it, I'm like, oh, good heavens. It's like I'm learning how to call all over again. Absolutely. And, you know, none of us are too old to learn. You know, uh, none of us are too old to learn. And uh, I try to improve on things that I need to improve on, uh, you know, because uh, – like I said, I'm not a world champion caller. I mean, I'm a decent caller. I mean, I can kill turkeys and I can usually figure out, you know, I mean, I'm, I, you know, I mean, a scale from one to 10, I'm, I would put myself about a seven or maybe eight calling, but, but I ain't definitely no 10, but, but I try to get better every year. And the things that I struggle with, like the, the like the very gar- gargly purr, uh, I can do it, but I can't do it a lot. Like after about four or five times, then I start like, you know, it starts messing up. So I have to revert back to my lips. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm trying to get better at it. And uh, uh, but talk about the cut. And if you can learn how to say kick, kick too, you know, kick, 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 you know, uh, a lot of times that's what really gets that volume out. Uh, so it just is trial and error, though. You know, it's it's just trial and error. You just got to You just got to get out there and, and practice it. But then let the turkey tell you what he wants. That's the main thing. And then work him in because, you know, and don't forget, just we're talking about mouth calls, but don't forget about a good slate call and a good box call. Don't forget about that. Right. Absolutely. <clears throat> Man, we've been talking turkey for a long time, and I'm anxious to go turkey hunt. So I'm, I'm, I'm going going tomorrow morning, going Saturday morning, and I'm taking uh, taking my sister-in-law turkey hunting for the first time. She, I tell you what, Matt, she's the luckiest hunter I've ever taken. So she, they bought this property, and she said, Mitch, I want you to take me deer hunting. And I, this is no exaggeration, Matt. She has hunted three days and she has killed three deer now she she might it might have taken her five sits she might not have got it in the morning but she got an evening sit and she literally filled three of her tags this year and i said to her, i said you know i said i'm gonna take you turkey hunting i said and i just got a sneaking suspicion your luck's gonna keep rolling girl but we'll see but you were talking about uh 20 gauge too I have uh, I have a twenty gauge eight seventy and i thought you know that'll kick a little bit less so i uh, I, I thought I, I bought a bought a box uh, I, I saw a box of winchester double x's thought i'll try those and uh, shot it i had an extra full carlson's turkey choke in and you know it would kill a bird at 25 yards but man i don't think i want to try it further than that it didn't really pattern that well and everybody's telling me you got to do tss got to do tss so i broke down i bought a box of tss and man i was really impressed with it but you know the you know my biggest gripe with it matt is i don't think it kicked any less than my 12 gauge Man, I'll tell you what, uh, I never shot, you know, I was a tight wad, you know, too, and I don't want to spend that much for shells, but I had a buddy that's in the hunting industry. He gave me three boxes last year. He said, I'm going to give you three boxes just to try them. I said, well, if you give them to me, I'll try them. Son, I I put, because I was hunting with, and I ain't, I ain't not like, you know, knocking Longbeard because they're, they're great shells, but I, I put one of them Apexes in my 20 gauge before season last year in 2022. The first shot, I said, I'm converted. I'm converted. It's crazy. And I mean, it's nuts. Um, um, it, it's crazy to think of the, the loads that, that, that them, th- I mean, I'm shooting a 20 gauge, uh, 565, uh, choke, Carlson choke, uh, 20 gauge Stoger. And, uh, I mean, 45 yards with them apexes. I think when I sighted my gun in, I think uh, I counted 145 shots in the head at 45 yards. My goodness. 145 shots. And 
I mean, it just imagine that Alabama turkey was 15 yards. It took the top part of his head off. <laughs> and I mean, they just don't move like turkeys. When you hit them with that TSS, they just don't flock very much. It just it absolutely knocks them out. Mm. And I mean, it, once you shoot it, I know it's expensive. People say it's too high, but to me, and here's what I say: uh, if I'm going to spend gas, money, hotels, traveling, going to different states, three hundred dollar tags, two hundred dollar tags, hundred fifty dollar tags. If I'm going to spend all that time, money, and effort to go out there and, and turkey hunt, I'm not going to have it ruined by a 40-yard brushy shot. I mean, I ain't going to shoot in the brush anyway, but, you know, sometimes you got to take a, a shot that you ain't really totally pleased with. Or you got to let one walk at 45 because, like you said, you're not comfortable past 35 with a long beard 20-gauge. Uh, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm, it's worth it. It's worth that extra five, six dollars for that one opportunity you get that we don't get very often and to be able to capitalize. And I'll tell you right now, man, uh, I'll never go back. I mean, I will absolutely. It's just like people, people call me a sissy for shooting a scope on my shotgun. I said, well, give me a dress because I'm a sissy. Because once you go to a scope, you'll never go back to a bead. I promise you, once you go to a scope, you will never go back to a bead because with your loads and your chokes now, you could just hone them things in so perfect. And I mean, it's just, if it's shooting a little bit point of low here, point of high here, well, you could just dial that thing into where you have supreme confidence. And I will never go back to lead shot. <laughs> Absolutely will never go back to lead shot. Um, TSS all the way for me, baby. And uh, don't apologize for it. And I mean, when I go to, you know, like I'm going here, I'll be leaving Monday. I'll be going to West Virginia. Then I'll be going to, Ohio, then I'll be going to maybe uh, New York, and then maybe drop down to Pennsylvania, but to end the season, uh, maybe if if I fill all my tags really quick. Look, I'm not going to I'm not going to go buy all that money or buy tags and 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 miss an opportunity I could have had if I'd have had just a, maybe a five more dollar expensive shell. Right. You know what I'm saying? So well, definitely worth. The other thing that's pretty cool, I think the TSS makes it uh, a lot more capable for those those uh smaller caliber you know, smaller smaller shotguns and i think it makes the whole shotgun slam a little bit easier shooting one with a 10 gauge all the way to a 410 oh absolutely i mean you know and and uh, i mean i don't even like i said i mean uh they sent me a new 12 gauge i'm sponsored with stoger they sent me a new you know they sent me a new 12 gauge this year i've took it out two or three times just to make them happy but i just don't hunt with it i mean i just don't hunt 12 gauges i mean why why what's the point i mean a 20 gauge lighter it's a lot lighter uh, as soon as they come out with 28 gauge, I may hunt with one of them and get some TSS for one of them. <laughs> yeah. So definitely, a, definitely a game changer in the turkey hunt. The 20 gauge is the new king of turkey shotguns. Yeah, it seems like everybody's going to it, and I haven't made the jump yet. But I, 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 I shot two with both of the 12 gauges. I, I have a, you know, just an 870 uh, 12 gauge that I've turned into my quote unquote turkey gun, and then I did kill one. I have my my grandfather's, actually my great grandfather's model 12 12 gauge. I said, wow. man, I, I got to shoot at least one turkey with that gun, and I did one year. So I shot him with both my 12 gauges, and I have these two 20 gauges. Like you know. Eh, maybe that's the next thing. Maybe I got to shoot one with this. So that's that's kind of broke me into the, this next phase, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Awesome, man! I tell you, I love it. I, and like I said, it's just turkey hunting has come so far. You know, just since in thirty years I've hunted. You know, and then my dad's hunted for sixty years, and and then you know when I came along, I've been hunting them for thirty. This was my thirtieth spring this year, and uh, man, just since I started, we didn't have we didn't have all this you know stuff 
when I started, you know, it was just two and three quarter full chokes. And it's crazy to look and see where it's come from, you know. Oh, it is. And, uh, but anything that'll help you, you know, is I, I, I say put it in your arsenal because they're hard enough to kill like they are. So, <laughs> yeah, very good. Well, hey, man, this has been great. This was a fantastic, like I said, one of those conversations is fire me up, but it's a learning conversation that the whole well, communicating thing, like, that's just so, so critical. So, I'm thank you for, for, well, let me pick I your hope- brain. Hope it helps somebody, and I just like to give a shout out. And say if, if any of your viewers are listening, go over to Dell Outdoors on YouTube and subscribe to you know, Dell Outdoors if you want to hear a lot more of this type of uh, content. And Facebook, Dell Outdoors on Facebook, Dell Outdoors on Instagram, so they can join me there and follow me and follow me all year long. Yep please do guys because i know i do and that's where i've i've picked up a few things in my arsenal so matt i appreciate your time i appreciate what you do and uh, good luck the rest of the season or maybe i'll off the air here off to pick your brain on the on when you might be coming through pennsylvania maybe i can connect with you buddy i, I like that okay <laughs> we'll catch you later